Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerja Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerja Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerja Jackson, the CEO and creative of Living Strong Consulting. And as uh, a coach, a consultant, a trainer, one of many conversations that I've been having with clients, with families, with parents, and just plain old people has been recognizing how there is a mind and body connection to their emotional healing, their healing to themselves, as well as their healing with others, and addressing anxiety and panic attacks. And so this episode is one that I have been recommending over and over again. Do not miss tonight. And I'm encouraging you, if you are listening, to make sure you share it with someone else because we're going to unpack not only the theory and understanding, but practical tools with Rachel McLeod in how we can better understand the mind and body connection to our healing experience. So let me introduce Rachel to you. Rachel McLeod is a licensed social worker and she is a mental health therapist and emotional wellness coach. Through years of successfully helping clients move their anxiety, depression, and trauma disorders into remission, she has developed a program that empowers people to skillfully get rid of the symptoms and begin to heal. She is also the facilitator of the Facebook group called Releasing the Baggage of Anxiety, Depression, and Traumatic Stress, where she delivers free training on leading interventions that work well for getting rid of symptoms, not just coping and managing them. And I actually have that question for her today. What's the difference? What So often people are trying to get us to cope, but she says there's an opportunity for healing, not just coping. Her mission is to empower people to do their own healing work effectively, safely, and skillfully. So join me in welcoming to the flip side of adversity, Rachel McLeod. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you so much. Oh, we are so excited to be able to dive into this conversation that I know isn't just one in which you have helped others with, but it's actually tied to your own story of healing. And can we just jump into it by unpacking what does it actually mean to have a mind-body connection? 
Yeah. You know, we all have this mind-body connection and we're all using it all the time, but we don't really know that we are using it. And so, but if we start using it intentionally, we can really jump in with our brain function and help our brain resolve symptoms of anxiety, depression, or traumatic stress, resolve um, cycles we don't want to be in, grow, mature. We can really be intentional for this because the brain has a beautiful process for this. Um, But because of its own function, it can really take a left and go down a totally different pathway, which is more of a survival pathway, fight, flight, freeze, faint, and fawn. And that's where we will experience our symptoms of anxiety, depression, or traumatic stress, whether they're simple or very complex. And so, but if we can keep that process moving forward, if we can understand the process and then support the process, the brain can complete the work it needs to do in any situation. And instead of going to the left, it goes towards growth and maturity and the resolution of symptoms and expansion and connection and all the good things we want, all the things that make us thrive. Um, that pathway for thriving is way different than the pathway pathway for surviving. And you can tell which pathway our brain is conditioned to be on or that by what our life looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, if our life looks like we are, we're in survival mode, we're working from that part of the brain, you're going to see things we're going to be in a survival state you're going to see survival stuff, not very great connection, um, challenges with each other, um, frustration, anger, um, gosh, the freezing, not being able to talk when you want to talk, not being able to say what you want to say or fawning where you start people pleasing and you're like, knock it off, but you can't stop because it's actually running from a part of the brain that doesn't give choices. Choices aren't in that part of the brain at all. And so we really want to be moving everything towards the front of the brain, the, our prefrontal cortex and through the brain's healing process where in the prefrontal cortex, that's where you get strategies and morals and values and skills. And, you know, that's where we want to live from that part of the brain sees things from multiple perspectives. It sees, it can factor in other people's experiences, our own experiences. The other side, no, it just cares. Are we going to live? Are we not? Don't talk to me about the rest. <laughs> and so, we, you know, that's not a great place for parenting from. We don't want to parent from that survival system. We don't want to interact. We don't want to, we don't want to do very many things except for actually real time surviving. But most of our life isn't about surviving. So really, we really want to make sure that, that the brain is surviving accurately, not misfiring, not doing all these things. And the decision maker of whether we're going to go through the thriving route or the surviving route really is with the survival system. It's like this, this part of us that sits back, it's like safe, not safe, 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 not safe, you know, and so much of therapy is about working with the front of the brain. That is their, their thinking center, right? We think there's so much power up there, but so all of our therapy is designed to, to target that part of the brain, talking, words, thoughts, understanding, clarity. That's a front brain activity, which is fabulous, but that's not where this problem is. This problem is really with the survival system. And that part of our brain's native language is our body. Wow. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to keep flowing here because you you know what, because you, anyone who knows me knows that this was a whole setup (laughs) Because they know I love talking about the brain. And so they're like, oh my goodness, she's found somebody who loves to talk about the brain just as much as she does. And so I'm just, I'm completely 
um, in 100%. Yes, yes, yes. Because I, I, I honestly feel like a lot of where we are or have been trying to move through right now has been survival for so many people. Yes. And unfortunately have begun to believe that survival is normal, but you're actually sharing that we don't just have to cope, but that we actually can begin to heal. And so there are a couple of things before you jump into talking about um, therapy, because I so agree in that so much of, of talk therapy is really all about the cortex, but the energy, the stress, that survival is all in the lower parts of the brain. So before we jump there, you said you shared five survival responses, and I want to make sure that people understand yeah. all five, because people are very used to fight flight and freeze. But you said faint and fawn. Can you share either a definition and or example of what that looks like so people can begin to connect with, oh, am I doing that? Yes. Um, Gosh, let me start with faint. Um, This one, all of these are in various varying degrees, right? Not all of us are just falling out on the floor fainting. But if we but if we were to encounter something, our, our survival system decided faint was our best option because our survival system decides which strategy we're going to use. It doesn't say, hey, which one which one would you like to do today? You know, it doesn't. It just shifts and it's electrical. So it happens very quickly. But the, one of the most common forms of faint is falling asleep. Hmm. Right. And so maybe you're doing something uh, and it's something's triggered. Maybe it's a smell. Maybe it's a sound. Maybe it's a temperature. Maybe it's actually something that you look at. Maybe it's something that's happening in real life. It doesn't matter because your system is processing all this information all the time, but something is encountered and all of a sudden your brain says, we're in danger, go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, you're tired, you're sleepy, you need a nap. And you think you're lazy, but your brain actually shut you down. And it's so important to understand this is a brain function thing. We're not just sleepy people who like to nap all the time. If you are, I would check that because this actually could be a survival state and there could be something in your environment or in your internal environment that your brain is interpreting as dangerous. And, and, and it's, it likely is wrong. If you're like, why is this happening? It's, 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 it has misinterpreted something and the brain has a process of, of making the interpretations more and more accurate. And so one of the things we want to see mm. with, with successful treatment of any symptom is, is, is the brain accurately pr- uh, inter- understanding what's happening right now. And so that, um, and so, and when we do that work, which this stuff takes, gosh, 30 seconds to up to 40 minutes, if, if we're the, if we're working on something very complex, so it's very fast, but we will see once we've got this, we'll see that in the same environment, the same situations that people will not fall asleep anymore and they will be available and right there for whatever they're doing. Rachel, you just set somebody free because the moment you said to that you're not lazy, but that your brain is trying to respond out of a survival yes. response and that there's something you can do. Your brain is just trying to, to protect itself right. and you can release yourself from the, the perception 
that you're just lazy and to begin to pay attention when you are finding yourself so tired in response to situations. Oh, that, oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so go ahead with fawn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, fawning is, um, gosh, this one's very subtle and this one um, is really baffling. And um, it's, and a lot of times it will happen in social situations, but I bet you, I haven't really thought about this very much till this very moment, but I bet there's an internal fawn response to our own self. But most of the time, we'll save that for nerd thought later, but most of the time we will see this outside of ourselves, and we'll just feel like we need to say things, the right things. We Fawning is about, um, it, dogs do it, right? It's if you've had a dog and you come home and you're mad, they'll lay down on their stomach and they'll look not threatening and they'll look appeasing. They'll, okay, I'll do whatever you want me to do, right? And humans, we're doing this all the time. And it can be in the form of um, making our, like, um, speaking down about ourselves or agreeing to things we don't really agree with. Like if we were, if we, if we weren't in a survival state, we'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. Or that sounds like a terrible idea, but we'd find ourselves. Yes, 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 yes. Anything else. And then even extending ourselves out further than we know is right for us. But because our survival system thinks we're in danger of something like possibly rejection or um, suffering more consequences, punishment, things like that. And if we understand the brain interprets um, rejection from the same part of the brain. It interprets being stabbed in the gut as, as much as, you know, if, if our brain does not have an accurate way of processing this or create one, um, we're going to be responding to conflict or specific situations that make us where we want to avoid it. Like we would want to avoid being stabbed in the gut. So I want to make sure people caught that because this was groundbreaking for me as I've been helping, trying to help educators understand responses that um, children are exhibiting. And what you just said, I want to make sure people understand that emotional pain is interpreted in the, in the brain the same way physical pain Mm -hmm. is. And therefore we create survival responses because I feel like sometimes people um, discount emotional pain as something you should just get over. Whereas if they were physically in danger, they would begin to figure out how can I fight back? How can I combat this? But what you just said, I wanna make sure people understand what you just said. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Um, oh, I want to add this too. under mm-hmm. fawning, really lots of use of humor, funny people. Um, can't that, I mean, I, if I want everyone to be funny and I want all the funny people to be as funny as they want to be, but I don't want people to be funny because they're in a survival state right? We want them to be funny from the front of their brain. We want their brain to feel safe. We want them to feel safe and not, I'm going to be humorous to hold my life together right now. And these are patterns that can develop early in childhood. They can, at any time, you know, uh, they don't have to be super complex to be showing up in our life. Anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress, these survival states are natural to us. You know, that our, that part of our brain is very serious about keeping us alive. It's very serious about doing a good job. And, um, but it's also programmed from people around us and, and it's, and we're, um, 
sometimes these don't match who we are. It might've matched our parents or it may have matched our great grandparents, um, but it, it's not ours, but it's still in our subconscious programming. It's still showing up. Our brain still believes this. And most importantly, our brain has a way of resolving that so that that survival response becomes, um, it starts to fit us, not our ancestors, not our neighbors, not our, and that's really one of the brain's job is to authenticate. Mm-hmm. Our responses mm-hmm. to make them authentic to us, supportive of us. I mean, there's not another piece of equipment here that is dedicated and designed to help me make my life look like it fits me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like wow. I want that and part look, working well. Yeah, but I, <laughs> and so you just said for those who are listening that as we have taken on the survival responses and and how our brain then has us begin to believe that this is who we are and it actually is something that was passed down and out of pattern and repetition, we've begun to adopt it, but we don't have to stay in that place. That's right. Which is, oh. Yes, yes. And you know, it doesn't even have to be pattern and repetition. It mm-hmm. really for the subconscious mind is looking for um, some, some beliefs and some emotion. And if we have those two things happen at the same time, it's grabbing stuff. And it's like, oh, let me make programs for this. Let me learn about life from this. And let me, you know, and these beliefs that it can gather up, nobody likes me. Nobody wants me. I'm alone. I'm a problem. If, if that happens in a timeline where there was a lot of available emotion, that makes that thing nice and blingy. And your subconscious mind, whether it's good or bad, is like, ooh, this is important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, And it is important, but we want to take it through the healing pathways and get it all cleaned up and learn what this means. Because it's usually not so black and white as nobody likes me, right? It might be this specific person doesn't like me. And what am I going to do with that? And I have all these feelings about that. And we need to process those feelings too, because that's part of the body. That's how this whole thing's work. This whole thing works. This is so powerful. And we are already at our first break. I cannot believe it. We're just scratching the surface. This is going to be great. I hope you have a pen and paper because we are going to continue to dive into really understanding our mind and body connection and how our brain is actually designed to help us thrive. But sometimes there are sabotaging elements that that derail us from that. And Rachel's going to, when we come back from this break, walk us through understanding the healing process, understanding how coping is different from healing, And then how does that all align with goal setting and goal alignment? What what is all of this? So stay connected. If you didn't get a piece of paper and a pen, grab it now during this break. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our channel. On Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, Dr. Veerdra Jackson presents stories and powerful guest experts from business, health, relationships, and faith. Every story has its flip side, and we are here to delve into the story and challenge you to view what has kept you in a singular mindset and turn it into the flip side. When you can effectively do that, you'll experience necessary growth. Tune in live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The White House doctor makes house calls. 
Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. We have been having a conversation with Rachel McLeod, and she identifies herself as a mental health therapist and emotional wellness coach. And she's been walking us through her definition of the mind-body connection and how the brain is designed to help us thrive, but sometimes we are caught into survival cycles. And before we jump into continued diving deeper into strategy, she wanted to share a little bit more about the body and that relationship and that work. Yeah. You know, with everything that we're doing in life, our bodies are participating just like we are. And a lot of times we really are thinking about how we're participating and we're using our thinking center, our prefrontal cortex. And, um, and that's wonderful. But if we exclude like there's all parts of us are going through this life. All parts of us are having their own experience. And it, when we work together as a team, including everybody, we will get we will get exactly what we need from the situations and we will be able to create results and ways of being and way uh, solutions that actually fit all of us, not just our thinking center, but our body and our survival system and everybody's happy and everybody's moving forward. If we are doing, or we are, you know, just focusing on what we think and what we know about something, we might be forcing our body to do something that if our body says, well, hey, I didn't agree to this and it's not good for me because of X, Y, and Z. Or remember that one time that happened? This could be that again. I'm not certain, right? And so then we have that part of us going in another direction. And and because the bodies, the, the survival system's native language is the body, its primary job is to keep the body alive. If your body takes a left, your survival system's taking a left. And that means your, your survival system will override your thinking center and you will experience symptoms of anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. traumatic stress. And so the, the opposite of that is if we bring everyone into alignment, we can really, and, and be inclusive here, we can really get results quickly. 30 seconds, 10 seconds it takes to get somebody, get us into alignment here. Or, um, or for instance, if we were to have, if I were walking down the hall of my office and I started bumping into the wall and I was using my thoughts and I said, oh, there's a wall there. Okay, great. I know there's a wall there. But if I don't include the fact that my shoulder just sent information about, hey, there's a wall here, uh, you know, then I'm not going to get the transformation of being able to walk down my hall without bumping into the wall as quickly. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so with symptoms of, of panic, let's say we're having a panic attack. What we ta- often try to do is we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. Calm down, calm down. The body is like, I am dying here and sending all these messages. Survival system is jumping on and there's a panic attack that is not logical. And so really when we, if we can really use the body to send signals to the brain that we're safe, even at the same time that the body is sending signals to the brain that we are dying and that there is something really bad happening, the brain will pick up on that safety signal and it will start to allow the healing pathways to stay on, the the process of thriving to stay on. And that's really where all that information that's coming up from the body can actually go through. And the front of the brain is like, oh, the body thinks we're dying. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, and then there's this communication between the two. They solve their own problem, which is why I help people do the brain work for this. And I don't do counseling and I don't do advising because you have a whole internal communication system that if it can do its work, you get what you want. Mm-hmm. And so that's just really, really so important. And so um, we're doing this intuitively all the time. When we start to feel distressed, we will eat. We're using the body. We will smoke. We will drink. We're going to use the body. We'll take a hot bath. We'll take a walk. We'll go get a hug. We'll go have sex. We'll go. We are going to use the body because that's how we intuitively know we're going to calm down. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and those things have all these side effects. And so we have these interventions that we can use um, that really help us send that message to the brain very quickly without negative side effects. And and these ones help us to combine uh, the the mental aspects with the physical aspects, and then we can really make symptoms stop very, very quickly. Um, The interventions I like to teach people and what I do totally teach people, try this, try that, is um, emotional freedom techniques, thought-filled therapy, energy medicine, and EMDR. And really, if we can use this, we can help when the, when the survival system starts to get all antsy and like, Hey, we need to survive. We can really use these right here in this moment. And we can really get, pull, pull the, the survival system into this really healthy communication. Because if we were to live life and only receive all the positive, which is the positive information doesn't get checked by the survival system. It doesn't cause any distress. So it just zooms up to through the brain's healing process. This negative stuff, really, it, it registers as pain. And so the brain, it has a really hard time getting through the brain's healing process. And so, and this is the stuff that I recommend escorting through for a while. Because really, once it can get through enough, the brain starts to say, hmm, maybe we should do something different with the, all this negative emotion. And then also all that negative emotion, the, fr- the front of your brain is like, ooh, I never knew that. I knew that was back there. And now that I know that, I can really create a different solution with including that information I just got. And so if you think about some of these traumas we've had since childhood, right, all the positive information about the traumatic experiences moved through. We don't know that all the negative experiences moved through because of the pain stuff. And so this part of the brain knows it's back there and it's never going to stop until it gets that information because it's like, I need that. I need that. I know there's something in there. I need that. And so if we can actually help the brain go get that and bring that forward, which we never have to talk about it to do that, we can do it in very painless ways, even if this was very painful and we can get that done. All of a sudden the brain learns so much about you. 
it learns so much about that situation. It learns so much about the world and it starts to correct its beliefs. It starts to correct its own subconscious programming, not something we have to, we can manually help that, but it usually is not necessary. Mm-hmm. And so I just, and that really just want to impress upon you all that there, this, if we just help the brain complete its process, mm-hmm. we get so many awesome things about, it. we don't have to avoid these things anymore. We don't have to create survival responses and to maintain and nurture survival responses in our life. Yes. So, so with that, with, and I think it's really powerful how you underscored that it's so often trapped in our body and yes. how in those moments where we're trying to consciously think through or process something, it actually is about doing the body work so that your brain has an opportunity to access that and, and get familiar with it, get to know it um, and integrate it. Yes. You've shared something in um, one of your resources on your website that talks about, and you just actually introduced our theme for the month, which is moving forward in healing. So how do we move forward in healing? And you shared something in one of your um, videos that really talked about what access points are. Yes. And can you define an access point and maybe give us an example of a couple of them? Yes. Um, access points are places in our, I like to, I like to start by clearing out anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress from right around the person's life so that they can take a hundred steps in every direction of their life without going into a a panic attack, uh, having depression, being triggered in some way. And so I really like to see what's going on right in their everyday moment. And, and we want to find points along the way that where we can access the, the root issues that are happening. And so there are so many issues that are happening in our life right now that actually are rooted in childhood, that are rooted in that conversation we had over there, are rooted over here, but we don't know that because they just look like we're anxious now. But really, if we can, if we can take that moment, we can really start gathering information from all parts of us, our, our, our body, very important. If, if this stuff doesn't leave our body, you don't, if the anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress doesn't leave the body and the nervous system, it doesn't resolve. It just comes back up somewhere else. And Say that again. You, Say that one more time. <laughs> if you don't get the, the symptom of anxiety, depression, or traumatic stress out of the body, you, you will not resolve the symptom. It will keep showing up. The body has to finish its work with communicating everything it wants about, about, the symptom and then and and then it will clear mm-hmm. and we know that gosh there's that that's really a deep that's a deeper um training piece and maybe let's lay a little bit more foundation and see if we can work in there but um but the because all parts of us are experiencing all the things um if we're having if let's say we we're falling asleep right we um had we received an email that gave us some bad news and all of a sudden we're like we'll fall asleep right that's an access point that's a place where your brain function malfunctioned what's up with that 
That's what we want to know. What's up with that? And so we can ask your body and your body will, you, you'll find symptoms. You'll find your body communicating in its own language, but because it's in its own language, we dismiss it because it's not words. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden you notice that you have tingling in your shoulders and your stomach starts to sink right before you go to sleep. Well, interesting, right? Now we're gathering that information and we're using an intervention at this point. And then we're going to take that information and mm, tell me more body about, I'm dramatizing this a little bit, but um, tell me more about um, that sinking stump sensation in your stomach. These are usually always memories. Um, and you can use the mind-body connection to pull up the exact memory, which is really cool and fun and awesome. I teach people to do this. Um, and when I learned how to do this, anyway, <laughs> I want to do it all the time. But all of a sudden you have this memory pop up and from wherever it is. And then you can keep using an intervention to get this memory through the brain's healing process. And maybe this memory was halfway resolved in the beginning or mostly resolved or never have been resolved, but you resolve this issue. And all of a sudden what's happening in the present moment starts to change. Mm-hmm. And if we did nothing else, which we, I would check on your subconscious mind and their tools to gather what's up with this stomach sensation, or, you know, a lot of times, once you get something processed, then, then another part of you will tell you some more information. Um, and everybody will chatter in there until the, that situation is resolved. And then we can come back to that moment, that email, and it doesn't do the same thing anymore. It doesn't make us, um, faint anymore. And, but this, whatever this memory was that would cause faint in, in our life will no longer be able to cause that faint anymore. So we're really, um, by doing one piece of work, we're resolving, gosh, hours of future anxiety. The thing that really stands out for me as we're talking about this is something that I often ask people to do. And I, and I ask them, so what did you notice? I think so often we, yes. because we're not making the connection that our body is trying to tell us something, yes. we discount it or disregard it. Yes. But actually what you're saying is lean in and wonder a bit more about that. So That's when right. that person said that, you felt something in your stomach, in your neck, in your back, in your eye, you felt it in your body and lean into that instead of just disregarding it. Um, And there's an opportunity for us to to become almost like detectives to better understand the layers of our healing process. And so can you tell us how how do you go from healing with the mind-body connection to actually um, setting goals or goal alignment? Yes. The, the more we practice this stuff, the more we see these parts of us as teammates and the more we see these symptoms as opportunities for healing. Like our brain is saying, hey, I'm not doing well with this because I need some help. And brains do need help. We're actually designed for help and we can help ourselves. We can use our body to help ourselves. or a lot of times having someone listen to us or hug us or whatever comfort, empathize is helpful, can be helpful as well. So the more that we do this, we really begin to have a partnership and a, a fluency here. And um, I like to start people with symptoms because they get a lot of practice resolving these things. Plus, these by we know that we are done with this phase because there's so many, most symptoms are resolved. Oops. Most symptoms are resolved. And um, 
And that means that there's lots of more, like there's a lot of gunk out of the system. And now is a really great time. And your brain isn't preoccupied with going to the back and figuring things out, going to the back. And now it's like, well, what are we going to do? Hmm, let's, let's go towards what we want now. Let's bring in what we want. And if you imagine any goal, and let's do that for a moment here, just imagine a goal for a second. Um, and I want you to notice that all parts of you have feelings and thoughts about this goal. Mm -hmm. You might feel very positive about it. You might feel, if you listen long enough, you'll probably feel a little bit like, mm, or maybe you're, it makes you have butterflies in your chest, but maybe you, maybe you start to fall asleep. Sometimes when I'm looking at a goal, my brain, it will touch it and then poof, I'm off. And I was over here and I'm all thinking about something else. And I was like, Kate, I was thinking about something. And it's just like my survival system said, it's not safe. Let's go. It's Send her safe. over to wherever she needs to go, you know, wherever she, you know, will, what will entertain her and keep her away from here. Um, and so we, but we get to know these different ways of our, of our survival system responses and we can really help our, what I would do is bring us back to the goal and really whatever that distress is, let's get that through the healing process. And then the next thing you know, and, and using interventions to help keep that part open using that mind body connection. And then the next thing you know, it shifts and then you're leaning in until you, your brain says, Whoa, but what about that? And then you're leaning back out, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what about, but everyone will see us, you know? And so now, you know, you can work on this being seen and, um, and you can get your brain to resolve this stuff for you before that even comes. So that as you start to walk down that path towards your goal, all these issues are already resolved there are in resolution and so when you get there it's easier to keep things moving forward um than it would have been if you would not have helped your yourself resolve these things mm -hmm. so how what is an example of an intervention or a strategy for resolving resolving an issue so that you have a more open pathway yes. to moving forward what does that look yes. like? Um, let me give you an example. Um, the one on my webinars, the, my master class is coming up for me. Um, let's say I wanted to write a book. Um, that's my goal. Um, and but as I start to write this book, and I take my time, and I every day I do this, but all of a sudden I start avoiding it. I was doing it, but now I'm avoiding it. And I and but I noticed that I'm avoiding this. And so what's up with this avoidance? So now we have a new access point. The access point here is, is the avoidance. Why is that happening? Right. And now in these access points, which I don't explain, but I might have a new way of explaining it is we're looking for targets where we can um, focus our awareness in there and help our brain process that exact target. And then we're using interventions for that whatever intervention we want to use. And we're getting all these pieces that don't, that don't feel good, that are covered in pain or distress. And we're getting that through the healing process because that healing process also desensitizes and clears out pain. And it also starts processing the information. So that, that emotional distress is actually information and energy. And so that energy needs to be converted into something we can use for our good, not something that continues to harm us. And it, and it, once it does this, it's one and done. So it's so worth it to do any of this stuff because it's like your inner healing and understanding team can't touch stuff. That's too painful. Mm -hmm. Just like if we were at the dentist, it's like, don't touch my tooth yet. <laughs> you know, 
So Relevant. what I heard you say yes. is the example that you um, used is is actually personal for me because I feel like that's something that I'm doing right now. So you're writing a book and you begin to avoid finishing it. And so you're saying lean into that access point to better understand what is that avoidance. And then yes. the intervention is around the understanding of the avoidance. Yeah. And there's multiple layers of the understanding of avoidance and you never know for any person what it is because your brain has created these layers, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the trick is to learn how to work through each layer and help your brain undo the layers, like realize it doesn't need this layer here anymore. So your brain will start taking this off and, um, and you just get closer at the pace you can tolerate. And, um, and you know, you're at the root because you just, don't need to, you don't need that don't need avoidance. Anymore. The avoidance, right. There's nothing right. dangerous about this piece. And so now you're moving forward. And so what you would find in there might be just old stuff. Your body needs some attention with, maybe there's achiness in your, your chest or, and you're processing that you're using that intervention. And then something, you know, your subconscious mind tells you this story of draws a picture for you. I don't know. Like I use all these strategies, but there's so many, you're just navigating making sure each part of you gets to say what they need to say. And mm -hmm. then you, you can even, whatever they tell you, you can grab that and say, tell me more. Mm -hmm. And some, your body will say, I have some things to say. And you just keep following this trail in, which once you learn how to do this can, you know, 10 minutes is a lot of time for this. Mm -hmm. This happens really, really quickly. It sounds complex and overwhelming, but when you learn it at the right pace, it just becomes very natural. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a lot of practice outside of ourselves in doing this. This is all conflict resolution you know, that we have with our right. neighbor. Tell me more. Um, help me to understand this from your perspective. And, but as you get to the inner parts, you, you just, you really, and, and sometimes we don't know what that is, but we just are right there. We're processing it. And all of a sudden um, we'll start, the brain will start showing up with epiphanies. Epiphanies will start surfacing in your mind. Um, new ways of being, um, um, big exhales. These are all signs that ah, I got it all, or oh, I got everything I need from now. And then you're and the other test here that is that your brain is not interested in this thing anymore, mm. which is very, you, you know, yeah, it's like, I don't want to go. And so I'll, I'll keep bringing people back and their brain will take off. And sometimes that's a pain thing. And that just means the survival system is responding, but the prefrontal cortex is the one that's like, I need to solve all the problems I need to solve. And if you can't get your prefrontal cortex to hang out here anymore, cause it's just bored. The work there is done for mm -hmm. now or permanently. It's done as so, much as it can there. So we've talked about our own, the, the, um, tension in the body and how the brain and the body ha need the opportunity to connect and to integrate. Can the mind and body connection be used to actually improve relationships as well? You've talked a lot, a lot about our relationship with ourselves. Can it improve relationships yes. overall? How does it impact how we show up with others? Yeah. Um, you can, uh, you know, if, if this, if the mind and body are not connecting and they, ha or they haven't gotten the opportunity to connect and understand in our culture, there are many things that separate us 
from our inner world and from our body and from our, from, from just our inner knowing, um, and that have taught us not to listen. And so, but if they haven't had a chance to do that, we're going to notice some things in relationships. We're going to notice people not being able to see things from other people's perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's frustrating when you're talking to somebody and they keep telling you something back that you're like, I'm not saying that. Wow. Say that again. So the first one is, this is the sign. I, I need people grab paper. This is the sign. Not being able to see there's things. a disconnect. Yes. Mm-hmm. From somebody else's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, this happens. This is, a, this is across the board happening with us, with our children, with our spouses, with our, with our bosses, with our, our employees. This happens. This is brain function. And it's really not personal. It feels very personal, but it's not. This is a sign that there's a disconnect in the mind and body. And the prefrontal cortex may not be as available as we think it is or as we think it should be. You should have come here ready to do all. But yeah, and brain function. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, lack of empathy is a really great um, if you can't empathize with somebody else. This I see this a lot in parents with a lot of trauma, raising children without the same trauma. They're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. You got it easy. Right. Lack of empathy. This is a mind body disconnection. And what's really under there is a lot of grief still, a lot of hurt even jealousy. Jealousy is a fabulous emotion. I don't care what nobody says. It carries beautiful information once it gets processed. But we don't want to be painting our lives with unprocessed jealousy because that's ugly. Mm. But under there, so, and then there's insecurity, there's fears, there's all these things under the lack of empathy that need to be processed. We don't just go say, oh, let's go make some, some empathy. No, brains make empathy. You process your emotions, you process your own inner world, and your brain will make for you empathy. So I am looking for people to, their empathy to turn on, right? Because that means we, we accomplished what needed to be accomplished there for the empathy. And that's not the same as sympathy. It's, empathy right. is very boundaried. You know, oh man, that's tough. Not my problem, but I wish you the best, perhaps even. Um, but so lacking empathy is there. Um, another um disconnect that's equally as problematic is, um, as a lack of connection with the self. Um, you know what everybody else needs, but you don't know what you need. That's a problem. And that's actually a more complex problem than what most people understand. That is huge. I think about, there are so many families, um, and specifically women I can think of that can create a whole list of addressing what everybody else needs. But if you ask them, yes. what do you need or what do you want? It's almost like um, a deer in headlights. Totally. Like they do totally not have a response. Yes. And the, and you're saying that's a disconnect, that that's a disconnect between their mind yes. and their body. Yes. Um, and that usually speaks to early childhood trauma and neglect. Um, so it's, it's usually quite a bit of work to resolve in like, when I say a lot of work, I mean like two to six months of intensive work. Um, cause there's so many wires that are not connected yet. Um, and, and because children need to spend enough time in their inner world to learn how it works and to do the wiring of that. And hopefully if we have parents that are tuned to us, they'll start talking about our wiring too. Oh, it looks like you like that. Or I can see you're sad. Can I give you a hug? You know, not uh, uh, many of us are like, knock it off, stop crying. You know, we don't help their brain. We suppress 
what's, we suppress what's coming up for them instead of bringing it up, helping their brain wire and create a way of being with that. And so, because, and so if you were a child that, that may be a parent with mental illness or a physical illness or um, one of these things going on, um, you wouldn't have had the opportunity. You would have needed to look outside yourself and learn how to make your caregiver function. So you would be an expert in that outside stuff. Your inner wiring would be there, um, but not for yourself. And so some of this work is we really have to do the wiring, the internal wiring, and then one, and then they kind of, they all come together very beautifully in those, in those cases, yeah. right? Some people are, and, and we tell people don't be selfish. Well, no, actually you need to be, have very strong self-centered skills and you, we want to see a high level of empathy skills. Yes. We want that to go together, not stop being selfish, pay attention. Don't you, you're not the only one in the world, you know? Um, the shaming that we do to, to keep people away from them. So we don't want to get caught being selfish. No, we want both. Right. right. And there's a healthiness, there's a healthiness in recognizing and being vocal about what you need in order to be whole and healthy yes. and well. And when we do that work, it then can turn on our empathy for others. Oh, it just deepens it. Yeah. It makes yeah. it more accurate, uh -huh. you know, and because without this information about yourself, this is the, this is, this, this is the space codependence lives in. Mm. Say right? that again, please. Um, this, 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 the inability to the lack of wiring for your own needs, your own wants, your own boundaries, your ability to maintain your boundaries. That's all survival system stuff, which means that the body has a lot more to say still about what's happening and that the body does not feel safe in many places which if you understand where that came from, the body is accurate. The body has not been able to do its work to understand I'm safe now. And mm -hmm. the body has a process for that that is not completing. So we want to complete that. Um, and so, but that space where we don't have that connection to ourselves, that's where codependency lives. Mm -hmm. That's where resentment hangs out. That's where dependence hangs out, right? If you don't have that, that inner knowing, you're dependent on somebody to know something about you. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you're like, nobody, nobody meets my needs. And you're no mad one cares resentful. about me. Yes. Right? Nobody cares about you, which then, you know, fortifies and strengthens and runs some of the old beliefs that really right. need to be pulled out of your subconscious mind. And, but we don't, I don't know which ones need to be pulled out because it's their, but their brain has to do this work. Their brain, our own brain knows exactly what we need and what's garbage and what we don't need anymore and what needs to be upgraded. And, but it needs the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. So we, I can't believe that we're already at just about four minutes before we're ending. I love for two things. The first thing is someone is listening right now. And in your examples, you have talked about them. What is one thing you would tell them to do for themselves to begin yeah. this process? One piece of advice. I would say get an intervention that works with your survival system. Try out emotional freedom techniques. That's the easiest. Um, Can you explain out. what that is? Uh, emotional freedom techniques is, um, and is an intervention. It's an emotional acupressure intervention that uses meridian points to help the mind and body do their healing work. And so literally you're tapping on the side of your hands. And it, this is very similar to acupuncture, but with no needles. 
and um, and it works about 80% of the time and it works quickly within seconds. This is the only intervention I had to move my own anxiety disorder into remission. And to really, I, I got other interventions when I learned, oh, wow, this is mostly childhood trauma I'm dealing with. So then I played with all the other things as well. But, um, uh, and I offer trainings of these on my, uh, on my, um, in my email list and in my mm-hmm. Facebook group, I want people to try out these powerful interventions and see what happens. Um, that, that's really what I'd advise. And I, I encourage, I send out, I send out about three, right. When people join my, my, um, email list, because there are some interventions that just, uh, not quite fitting for that person's brain function or personality. But I know in one of those ones, they can find something that really helps their brain go through their, its own natural healing process. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then they can really explore and experiment and really start resolving their own symptoms of anxiety, depression, or traumatic stress. Use it in a panic attack. Use it before a panic attack. Use it when you're anxious. Use it when you're mad at somebody. Use it, use it and experiment and see what, what your brain can do for you. So how can someone get on your mailing list so that they can begin to connect and follow and support this mind-body healing? Yeah, my website, rachelmcleod.com. And I'm sure you'll have that in the link, but my name is spelled like Rochelle. So it's R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E-M-C-C-L-O-U-D.com. And there you can get on my mailing list, learn about, take some trainings. You can um, see the program. I developed a curriculum that helps people walk from point A um, to point whatever in their healing journey. And um, that's available on there as well as a self-study program or as an intensive coaching program with me walking you through every step of the pro- process. So wow. all of that's available. Rachel, it has been amazing. And, and we have about two minutes left. Can you tell people how they can join your Facebook group? Yeah. My Facebook group is releasing the baggage of anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress. And that is just putting that in there in Facebook and you'll find it. Um, if you join my email list, there's also some links I'll send you to be able to join that as well. Ah, wow. So I know that there was, there were so many nuggets that you'll have to watch this replay again. So not only will you benefit from listening to the replay, I know there's someone else who is ready to embark on their healing journey, the opportunity to better understand that their body and their mind doesn't have to fight against one another, that there actually can be harmony between the two and understanding so that the brain can do what the brain has always been meant to do. Thank you again, Rachel. We so appreciate you. And again, her website is... R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E-M-C-C-L-O-U-D.com. Join her there. And we hope to see you, connect with you on the flip side next week, same time. Be well. Thank you for tuning into Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.